We don't know exactly when the coronavirus began infecting people in Latin America. Some researchers say that SARS-CoV-2 might have been circulating in Brazil as early as January, while one preliminary study suggested the virus may even have been present in the country back in November 2019. But the first confirmed COVID-19 infection happened exactly six months ago, when a 61-year-old man tested positive in São Paulo. O primeiro caso de Covid-19 registrado no Brasil levou o governo estadual a criar um centro de contingência em São Paulo. Outros 59 registros da doença foram descartados pelo Ministério da Saúde, que tranquilizou a população, dizendo não haver motivo para alarmismo. Half a year later, Latin America is the global epicenter of the pandemic with five of the region's countries among the top 10 worst-hit nations in the world. So far, 6.7 million cases have been confirmed south of the Rio Grande, along with over 260,000 deaths. And of course, those are only the official numbers. Studies suggest that the Rio tallies could be at least five times higher, as the region has yet to test a great deal of its population. And... As in anywhere else in the globe, the pandemic not only caused a major health crisis, but it has also triggered an economic catastrophe. The Inter-American Development Bank said in its latest report that at least 24 million jobs were lost, affecting 12 out of every 100 Latin American workers. This week, we will try and understand how things have gotten so out of control in what was already the most unequal region in the world. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is the Explaining Brazil podcast. My name is Lucas Berti, and I cover Latin America for the Brazilian Report. The coronavirus crisis in Latin America is a tale of inequality. When COVID-19 arrived in the region, it started as a rich person's disease. The virus was brought home by wealthy people who had traveled abroad, mostly to Northern Italy, and spread during the gatherings of the creme de la creme of Brazil's high society. The first case to rock social media came on March 12th, when an Instagram fitness guru called Gabriela Pugliese told her followers that she had tested positive for coronavirus. É isso, gente. Deu positivo pro coronavírus e é isso. Tem que ficar aqui, me cuidar, cuidar da minha saúde. That weekend, Pugliese had attended her sister's wedding at an upmarket beach resort, and soon after her, many of the other 500 attendees. Uh, who's who of the rich and famous in Rio and São Paulo, also fell ill. But very quickly, the profiles of the victims began to change. The virus spread from the rich to their maids, nannies and cleaners, who would then carry the virus to their densely populated, poorly urbanized neighborhoods. The first confirmed coronavirus death in Rio is a testament to that dynamic. A 63-year-old black maid died soon after contracting the virus from her employer, who had recently returned from Europe with 
COVID-19 symptoms and failed to warn her maid about her condition. As the weeks and months went by, the rate of poor people, and particularly poor people of color, who were infected and dying from COVID-19 went up and up. Many factors led to this. Non-whites account for 70% of Brazilians living below the poverty line. They are also the vast majority of workers in professions considered to be essential, meaning that they wouldn't be able to work from home. Many actually can't, as tens of millions live on what they earn on a daily basis. And that element of inequality was also seen in other countries. Guayaquil, which is Ecuador's second largest city, was the stage of some of the most gruesome images of this pandemic. Corpses kept in houses, on the street, some even abandoned. Hay que decir la verdad. Sabemos que tanto en número de contagios como de fallecimientos, los registros oficiales se quedan, se quedan cortos. Morgues were so overwhelmed that bodies were being stockpiled in unrefrigerated rooms. And many people had to keep the bodies of their dead relatives at home for several days. With temperatures above 30 degrees Celsius, decomposition would be quick, and in order to avoid the stench, several people simply abandoned these dead bodies on the streets, a literal tray of bodies left by the coronavirus. Wow, Lucas, that is devastating. And it has been crushing to cover the coronavirus in Brazil and Latin America. But besides inequality, which seems to be the root cause of most of the region's structural problems, can we point to leadership, or in this case, a lack of leadership, to explain how a region that had several weeks to prepare for the pandemic failed so bluntly to do so? Certainly, in many countries, that was the case. Brazil is perhaps the biggest example. President Jair Bolsonaro has been a consistent skeptic of the coronavirus. He doesn't believe that the virus is as severe as experts say, and he always positioned himself against social isolation measures. For Jair Bolsonaro, the first and foremost concern was always the economy. In fairness, research does show that a drop in the GDP is linked to an increase of death rates in Brazil, right? The problem here is not saying that we must preserve jobs. By all means, we must preserve jobs. But Bolsonaro puts no nuance in his analysis and appears to ignore the fact that as long as people are scared to go out and dine or shop or whatever, the economy just won't function properly. Exactly. But Bolsonaro is not the only leader in Latin America to have misled the citizens in some capacity. In Mexico, President Andrés Manuel López Obrador initially said that Mexicans should continue living life as usual, even saying that people should keep greeting one another with hugs and kisses. Of course, he later changed his tune, but we don't know how decisive those first weeks were to the spread of the virus in Mexico. And then we have countries that are true black holes of data. Haiti, for instance, a country that was nearly destroyed a few years ago and has little to no capacity to trace the spread of COVID-19 within its borders. Also, we have the cases of Nicaragua and Venezuela, 
both ruled by authoritarian presidents who bent over backward to conceal any sort of data. We also had the chloroquine enthusiasts. Yeah, from Brazil to Venezuela, countries led by the far right and the far left, we saw leaders endorsing chloroquine and other unproven methods. In Venezuela, President Nicolás Maduro even recommended a mix of herbs and ginger honey tea against the virus. Wow. So, Lucas, has any government acted appropriately in Latin America? Uruguay may be the best case scenario here. In six months, the tiny nation to the south of Brazil recorded 1,500 cases and fewer than 50 deaths. They did that by an unprecedented joint effort between political forces, which are generally very moderate to both sides of the spectrum. Also, Uruguay has invested in testing and contact tracing to contain the virus. Unfortunately, though, it's hard to compare Uruguay to other countries, right? I mean, Uruguay's population is tiny, just 3 million people, and it's not as diverse as in other countries. It is also a nation with a much higher GDP per capita than its neighbors. Yeah, that's true. So who else acted well? There were other positive cases. For many months, Costa Rica became the success story in the region. Peru and Argentina also enforced strict isolation measures and managed to contain the virus early on. But in all of these nations, coronavirus numbers are now shooting up in an incredible pace. Peru, for instance, now has a worse death toll per million habitants than Brazil. Which comes back to your initial inequality argument. Yes, unfortunately, Latin America shows that acting fast and implementing lockdowns does not necessarily mean that the pandemic will not ravage the country. At least not in nations defined by structural inequality. In many areas, social isolation is not an option. Millions of Latin Americans live in poor housing conditions in densely populated areas. Sometimes they don't have even access to running water. And let's remember that washing our hands is one of the most effective ways of avoiding contamination. Also, access to healthcare is deeply unequal in the region. There is also the informality factor. Yes, precisely. Informal workers already make up an astonishing 54% of the Latin American workforce. And these are people who aren't even living paycheck to paycheck. They're living on a day-to-day -day basis. Exactly. And there's no way to keep these people at home if it means they will have literally no source of income. For many people, the risk of a coronavirus infection is better than the certainty of not having food on the table. Countries can only hold their population in quarantines for so long before economic strains start choking the population. That is the case in Latin America and was also the case in other developing countries where inequality is extremely present, such as South Africa and India. After the break, we will explore the economic effects of the coronavirus in Latin America and what the region can do moving forward. We'll be right back.
Are you looking to connect with institutional investors in Brazil? Then you should seek out the good people at AMEC, the Brazilian Association of Investors in Capital Markets. AMEC brings together around 60 asset managers and pension funds from Brazil and abroad, which have a combined portfolio of over $130 billion. AMEC works to support minority shareholders' rights by fostering governance and stewardship principles that strengthen the market as a whole. Plus, they have lots of content that will help you stay up to date with what is happening on Brazilian markets. And we know you like high-quality content from insiders because you're listening to Explaining Brazil. See more at Amec Brazil, and that's Brazil with an S, .org.br. That's Amec Brazil, again, with an S, .org.br. When you need something, what's the first thing you do? You Google it, right? And tell me, when was the last time you went as far as page number three? Probably never. So why would you let your company's website be hidden in that internet wasteland? To get that prize first page, you need three simple letters. S-E-O, which stands for Search Engine Optimization. In short, these are magic tricks and tools that will make your site more visible to Google and to your future customers. Sure, you can pay thousands of dollars every month for a company to improve your SEO, or you can follow the SEO Mastery Training course on airyourvoice.com to become the top-ranked website in your field in no time at all. Are you ready to grow your traffic and increase your sales? Go to airyourvoice.com. The pandemic has ravaged economies around the globe, and in Latin America, the impact has been particularly devastating. More than half of the workforce is currently in informal jobs, which depend on the in-person economy. These people lost much of their revenue, in some cases, all of their revenue. Aline Gato Buedi You're a data journalist for the Brazilian Report. Hello. Uh, what to make of the state of the Latin American economy? Hi, Gustavo. Well, the coronavirus crisis has put Latin American workers under immense duress. And it has worsened the immense inequality between the elites and the working class. In Brazil, the region's biggest economy, over 14 million people found themselves with no revenue after the pandemic began. Zero. They are relying entirely on the emergency salary the government created in March. Right, but can we measure the true extent of the crisis? It is hard to know how deep the hole is. And that's because countries measuring capabilities vary a lot. Even here in Brazil, where the official statistics agency is extremely renowned, data collection has been damaged by the fact that surveys are being done over the phone as opposed to in-person interviews. Also, the number of people that have received the emergency salary is a conservative estimate of the size of the problem. 
experts point out to a part of the lower middle class which falls into a peculiar category. They have been made vulnerable by the pandemic and are receiving the coronavirus aid, but they are not poor enough to receive benefits under normal circumstances. So what happens to these people once emergency aid runs out? Exactly. As you and Lucas mentioned, labor trends such as the increase of informal work and people with variable income have accentuated this crisis. Take Argentina, for instance. 61% of the recipients of the government's emergency income program were informal workers or unemployed between May and April when the first installment of aid was paid out. The challenge for the post-pandemic scenario is going to be how to support these individuals while simultaneously dealing with all the country's existing economic woes. Zero in on Brazil for a moment here. Uh, the government has been paying out this significant emergency salary since the beginning of the pandemic and have now discovered that there are millions of people relying on the benefits when they weren't before. Are there any concrete plans for the post-pandemic scenario? Well, the short answer is no. But first, it's a good idea to really lay out the dimensions of this benefit program. By paying 600 reais every month to informal workers and the unemployed, Brazil has kept around 23 million Brazilians from immediately falling into extreme poverty. Mainly these workers we mentioned earlier who saw their incomes disappear overnight during the pandemic. But the problem is such a program is extremely expensive. If it were made permanent, it would cost around 600 billion reais a year which is just impossible right now in Brazil. For comparison's sake, the world-renowned Bolsa Família program costs just 30 billion reais a year. Wow, so if it can't last, are there any suggestions on what the government might replace it with? The idea being floated by the economy ministry is to instate a new wealth transfer program entitled Renda Brasil, translating as Income Brazil. Though we haven't seen any concrete proposals for this, the idea is that it will roll all existing benefit programs into one, as well as providing protection for informal workers and the unemployed. And is there any suggestion of how that will be paid for, considering the economy is under so much stress as it is? Well, here's the kicker. The suggestion is that Renda Brasil will be paid for by cutting the other benefits to poorer populations. One example being the so-called Farmacia Popular program, which ensures the right to free or ship medications for poor populations. So what we could see is vulnerable populations receiving a higher cash benefit per month, but having to face higher costs for healthcare, education, and other 
public services. Right, but receiving a few extra hundred reais a month isn't much of a benefit if it means your health costs increase by the same amount, more or less. Exactly. Aline, I'm sure we will all be keeping a close eye on this and we will speak to you again soon to analyze where all this goes. If you like explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a full week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro, and we will see you back here next week.